0: welcome to this month's bible study and prayer presented to you by committed walk with christ email group and brought to you by stir it up if you'd like to join our email list go to groups.io and search for committed walk with christ all right let's get right into it praise the lord hallelujah and thanks for joining us The message that we're going to hear today is part of a series that he did at his church. And then I'll go ahead and play this message. Father, I am excited, Lord, and I love you and I worship you. And I praise you, Lord, for another opportunity to share what you have given me. Lord, I know that it will be revelation knowledge. Lord, it has nothing to do with me. It is all about you. And Lord, it is your words that we want the people to hear, God. Lord, I pray that that revelation knowledge will flow uninterrupted and unhindered by any demonic or satanic forces. But, God, that every ear would be anointed to hear and every heart to receive. Lord, none of me and all of you, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. in your bibles we're going to be looking at first peter chapter 2 i hope by now we've we we've we've gotten this this revelation and you know some of it is, is stuff that we've heard we've talked about you know many many times but you know who god is what he's done for us And who we are in Him. Because remember, a wrong concept of God will cause you to have the wrong impression of who He is. And if we don't rightly divide the Word, we don't even understand what that right impression ought to be. Amen? Remember that? If you think that God is the one who makes you sick, you're going to have a lot of trouble receiving healing. So I hope we're understanding that. And I hope we're really getting this idea of the authority. Amen? We talked about it last week. Pastor Rick shared about it again this morning. The authority that is in that name of Jesus because of what he has done. You're absolutely right, Sister uh, Pam. We don't do it ourselves. No, no, no. That is God. It is all him. And we are just the vessel. We receive it. We step out in that authority. And he gets the glory because he deserves it. Amen. It's all about what he has done. How much he loves us. And so now you remember. God does not control your life. You have the choice. The next time you hear somebody, you overhear somebody talking, and they say, God is in control, so just let go and let God. Which explains why they're still in the same mess they've been in for the past decade. But now you know there's another way, amen? So why do we have trouble? Why do we have trouble making it work, receiving it? I want to talk to you today about something that is so, so, Simple, and yet absolutely essential. This is what it all comes down to, friends. First Peter, chapter 2, and we're going to start right at the beginning. Verse number 1. Ready? Simon Peter, a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge. How many of you want grace and peace? That's a good thing, right? Well, how do we get it? He just tells us through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power, and we've read this so many times, and, and, and we've we've claimed this, that his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Here it is again. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. You got the all things, say all things, through the what? Through the knowledge. All things through the what? If you want a title for today's message, let's call it Knowing God. Or if you want a more quippy title this time, let's call it Don't Force the Fruit. (laughs) Now, I want to make a statement. Most of us live our lives entirely goal oriented. This over here is where I want to get to. This is where I am right now. Make sense? Your goal, whatever it may be. Your marriage, your job, salvation, getting to heaven, receiving healing, receiving prosperity. Whatever it is, it's goal-oriented. That's the way the world teaches us to be. We agree on that? Uh, That's not the way the Word of God teaches us to be. But that's the way the world teaches us to be. And it's very hard to reprogram our thinking. We, we get that into our minds. Now, there's no other situation in the world in which we are expected to do something and then given absolutely everything we need in order to do it. Except in following Christ. Can you imagine going to school? School's out for the summer, praise God. Can you imagine going to school and and they say, you're going to have a test. And I expect you to get 100 on that test. Now here's the test and here are the answers. Just trust in them. We got a teacher here. Honey, if you had to administer these keystones or PSSAs or something and you did that, and you gave everybody every answer and told them to just write it down, what would happen? <laughs> hey. The ones that followed the directions would get them all right, exactly. But also, it's so contrary to what we're taught in the world, you probably wouldn't have a job if you did that. Right? Right? Not only at Everett, but probably anywhere in the state of Pennsylvania. you probably lose your te- teaching license for that. It's just counter to everything we have been taught. We're always taught, be independent, right? What do we teach our kids from little up? you got to learn to do these things for yourself. Be self-reliant, the world wants us to be. That's what they teach. Oh, you can only rely on yourself, they say. And finally, they teach you, well, you got to have a backup plan. That should be your first clue, by the way. That something is amiss with the world's teaching. Because number two and number three directly contrast each other. You can only rely on yourself, but you better have a backup plan, which proves that even yourself isn't that dependable. Did you ever stop and think about that? So this is in stark contrast to what the word teaches, to the teaching of Christ. Now here's my second statement this morning. The answer to every single problem in the world and anything at all that is going on in your life that you want to change the answer to all of it is knowing God the answer to all of it is a relationship with God I said the answer to all of it is a relationship with God now here's the problem we don't understand what that means we ask people brother Do you have a relationship? Do you know God? Sister, do you know Jesus? And most of the time, what we mean when we ask that is, did you pray some kind of prayer? And some churches might call it a sinner's prayer, others a profession of faith, whatever. And that's what we mean. We mean, did you pray this simple prayer, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I I need you and I ask you to come into my heart. I make you Lord and Savior of my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Is that what you did? And yeah, I did. I know Jesus. And God shared something very profound with me recently. Praying that sinner's prayer does not constitute a personal relationship with Jesus. Oh, it's essential. It's the first step to beginning. A relationship with God. And it is the only thing that is necessary to be saved. He said, believe on the name of Jesus. Confess with your mouth. You will be saved. That's the word of God. That's the only thing that's necessary. If it's a genuine prayer, it will do the job. Because Christ did the job. All right? So if it's a genuine prayer, that is all that is needed to get born again. And the most important decision you can ever make in your life is to get born again. Amen? But... Now pay attention to this. The most important thing that a born-again believer can do is to get to know God. To develop a personal, intimate, love relationship with God. Just asking Jesus into your heart does not a relationship make. It makes the beginnings of it. But it is not the actual relationship. We miss the whole purpose of it. If you look at John 17, let's look at John 17 and verse number 3. <clears throat> John 17 and verse 3. John 17 and 3, if you're there, say amen. Amen. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. See, we've missed it by thinking that salvation is all about hell avoidance. But you got to get saved so you don't end up in hell. you got to get saved because that's the only way to ensure eternal life in heaven. He says no. No. Eternal life, yes, that does happen. But eternal life, this is what it is. It is knowing him. This is what it is all about. The primary purpose for salvation is that the relationship be restored. The prayer is enough to get you saved. But then, what happens to the relationship? It would be like if Jessica and I got married, we stood at an altar, we said, I do, we went through all the motions. Legally, we are married now. But if we never spent any time together, if we never got to know one another, if we never talked to each other, if we never, if we never focused on the other person, we don't have a relationship. Legally, we are married because the ceremony was all it took. But we don't really have a relationship and he wants more for us than that. Now go quickly to John 15. And this is what he wants. The most important thing we can do as born again believers now that we've given our heart to Jesus, we've made that decision is to know him. John 15 and he uses the analogy of of a of a of a grape of a vine of grapes And he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. I'm reading in the New Century version, by the way. It'll be just a little bit different maybe. But he cuts off every branch that does not produce fruit. And he trims and cleans every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce even more fruit. Going on, you are already clean Because of the words I have spoken to you. Now, here it is. This is where the body of Christ needs to get this revelation. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. A branch cannot produce fruit alone, but must remain in the vine. In the same way, you cannot produce fruit alone, but must remain in me. I am the vine jesus said you are the branches if any remain in me and i remain in them they produce much fruit they produce much fruit but without me they can do nothing without me they can do what how many of y'all say you believe the bible it says apart from him We can do nothing. Everything you see going on in the world around you is a result of people not intimately knowing God. And every problem in the world and every problem in your life could be solved by an intimate relationship with God. And I'm convinced that for so long, what we have tried to do is to focus on and to learn the mechanics without the relationship. We have been so goal oriented. Well, this is how you get saved. This is what you must do to get saved. Step one, two, three. This is this is what you must do to receive healing. Step one, step two. Mark eleven, twenty-two. Believe in your heart, speak with the mouth, you know. This is what I must do to receive prosperity. This is confession. These are the laws of prosperity. This is how prayer works. This is what is expected of me. So I'm going to do it because it is expected of me. How close can I get to the line? How close can I get to the line? And what we end up doing is being right back in performance-based Christianity without even realizing it, without even meaning to. Because we are so focused on the mechanics, we are so focused on what must I do and what mustn't I do, that we miss the intimate relationship altogether. We think that if we look a certain way or act a certain way, we'll be blessed. If we fast a certain way, we'll be blessed. If we speak a certain thing, we pray a certain amount of time, we'll be blessed. And what you end up with is a whole bunch of people trying to be like God, without God. Now you know, many of us talk in here about the teachings of Brother Kenneth Hagin, and and Kenneth Hagin didn't have anything new. It's all in the Word of God, but it had been the body of Christ had missed it for so long, and God used him. He was a willing vessel. God used Brother Hagin to teach confession to teach laws of prosperity to remind us we are already healed to remind us that his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness but what I want you to understand is that the the information the revelations that Pop Hagen got came from a relationship with God they were an outflowing they were a product of people who spent time getting to know the Lord And then when when some of the the, the people who began teaching what Brother Hagen taught, Kenneth Copeland, Creflo Dollar, Jesse DePlanche, when these people came along, they didn't just imitate what he taught. They got to know God. They spent time in God's word. They began to behold Jesus, and God confirmed it for them. See, you cannot manufacture this stuff because if you do, it your faith will never produce and you'll never exhibit the fruit of the spirit to the extent that some, that 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 God has called us to and that some people can say, "Well, I, you know, look, I have special things that I do with my kids. My wife and I, th- these these things come out of knowing those people. These things come out of an intimate love relationship. Those mechanics come out of a relationship. And if you tried to take them to some other person, they're not going to have the same effect. So my son and I have certain, you know, things that we do and certain things, you know. And and I have, uh, whenever Carson was very, very little through a series of events, which is not relevant right at this moment, but through a series of events, uh, he got the nickname Cub, and I I still to this day call him that. And then when my daughter came along, somebody said, well, what nickname are you going to call her? I said, I don't have any idea yet. i got to get to know her. That's really what I said. I said, I don't know yet. I said, when it happens, it'll happen. It's not me planning it. It's just going to happen as I get to know her. And what we found is that Kylie loves to be silly. And Kylie and I, when we are playing together, we laugh like nothing else. And we say silly things. And so most of her nicknames that I have for her are just silly because we like to be goofy with each other. I call her Frog and all other kinds of nicknames. And she loves it. You go up to some other kid and you call him Frog. The things that work between Jessica and me, the things that work between... Sandy and Pastor Rick, the things that were... These are not because somebody told you this is how you have to love your wife or this is how you have to love your husband. They come out of knowing. See, the mechanics are secondary. I'm not saying the mechanics are wrong. I'm not saying the mechanics are bad. I'm saying you can't manufacture this stuff. Again, the result is trying to be like God without God. And then we wonder, why do Christians still have trouble in marriage? Why are Christians still sick? Why are there so many problems? We you know we're still shocked by problems and God said to me you got to lose the surprise. We see drug problems in the world. We see we see sexual immorality. We see all kinds of stuff and it's so common. It is so common. We see, we see it in, in teenagers taking drugs and, and underage drinking and all these other things. And we think we, we, we are so shocked by this. Why does this happen? Oh, it's just this is such a rebellious group of people. No, this is the fallen world. He said what was evil would seem good. What was good would seem evil. Why are you surprised? Why do you expect the fallen world to look and act like anything other than exactly what it is? So how do you solve it? Oh, you, you, you toughen the, the consequences. You threaten, well, we're going to send you to jail. Brother Castle told us a few weeks exactly what the rate of recidivism is. In other words, people going to jail, coming out of jail, and going right back to jail again. And it's high. We think, how can that be? How could I not learn something from being behind bars that I would not want to repeat that again? Okay, so then we're not going to toughen. Instead, we're going we're to move away from that to a, a softer form of, uh, of punishment, and we're going to do a lot of rehab, and we're going to have all these rehab programs, and guess what? Even those fail. And guess what else? Even if they don't fail, the person ends up doing something else because this is the fallen world. And so then we think, well, our nation, our nation has to do something about it. Our nation has so many problems. Look, folks, our nation is a great country, but I'm going to tell you something. The reason you see all the problems in this world today that you see is because this country was messed up when it began. I'm not saying it wasn't founded on Christian principles. What I'm saying is people don't get it. And if you're going to live by the law, you're never going to be successful. And so what we then try to do is we try to legislate the problems out of existence. That is never, ever, ever going to work. We try to create little Israels because we think that's the way to get God to bless us. We think, oh my goodness, homosexuality is such a sin. We better legislate. We better obsess over it. And we get so obsessed over Ellen marrying her girlfriend that we miss the sin right in the church. God said to me recently, he said, anytime that you want to get mad at the problems in the world and the way the government's handling them, Anytime you want to, you know, write a letter to your congressman or write a letter to the editor, he said, here's what I want you to do instead. I want you to stop and I want you to ask me, Lord, give me an opportunity to witness to another person and lead them to Christ. He said, instead of you writing letters to the editor, you ask me who I want you to lead to Christ because he said every time you lead somebody to Christ you're making a dent in those problems if they really get to know me that is the only way you're really going to stop the problems all the drug problems all the sexual immorality all these other things that is the answer is knowing Jesus now there are some people who would say well I've never been tempted by that I've always been faithful I you know been with my husband my wife you know whatever i don't i don't drink i'm not addicted to drugs i don't cheat i don't do any of these things all right maybe you don't but you know what i still believe the bible and it says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of god so if you weren't tempted by that you were tempted by something else you're just not telling me what it is i don't care (laughs) now in, in uh, and you don't have to turn here, but in First John three six, he says, "Those who abide in me sinneth not. And if they do sin, they haven't seen me, and they don't know me." You have to understand that the relationship takes time to develop, and the more it is developed, the more time you spend beholding Christ, the easier it's going to become to to overcome those sin problems because he begins to supernaturally transform you. We cannot do it alone. He said that you can't remember. We just read that a few minutes ago. We can't produce fruit alone. See, he asks us to do some things we could never do in the natural. He asks us to love even those who are not lovely. He asks us to love even when somebody is mean to you. He asks you to turn the other cheek. He asks you to pursue peace always. You can't even go a day without saying something snarky to your husband or wife. You can't even pursue peace when the waitress forgets what drink you ordered. You can't even pursue peace when you have to wait in line more than you think you should. Oh, but you just don't know how that made me feel. There's something bigger on the line. You know, we're supposed to be able... Again, Pam, you're right. We don't do it ourselves. He does it. He did it. But he's given us. We're supposed to be able to command the weather and raise the dead. We can't even decide whether God wants us to have this head cold or not. I mean, not me personally. I don't have one, praise God, but I'm just saying. But that's because we don't know him well enough. We might be Christians. We might be born-again believers. We might be genuine. We might be sincere, but we don't know him well enough. Mark eleven twenty two and 23, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them, does not just automatically come to pass. And God said to me recently, he said, I love you. I'm not condemning you. That's not my way. I will always love you. But I need to tell you, the reason you confess and don't always receive what you confess is because you don't believe what you are saying. Discipline can hurt sometimes. The reason you confess and you don't always receive what you're confessing is because you don't even believe what you are saying. You know, when I when I first... Uh, Many years ago, I had gotten born again, and, you know, you just believe what people say, and and you just do it. You just manufacture it, or you try. And I heard a pastor say, you know, the way to get these things from God is to be hungry for God. Hungry for God, over and over, he said. He never explained what it meant. So what did I do? Walk out of the church, and as I'm praying, God, I am hungry for you. I didn't know what it meant. You know, there was a guy many years ago who, uh, an astronaut, he was at a a, a political event and he met somebody from, what was at that time, the Soviet Union. And the guy came up to him and in very broken, poor English tried to say, oh, Mr. Lovell, you are, uh, uh, what is the word? And he said, astronaut. And, And he said the Soviet person acted like, oh, yes, that's the word. He said, I think I could have told him I was a linebacker and he'd have nodded in agreement just to be nice. Well, that's what we do. I I I am on fire for you, God. What is that? I want to know you. I want to behold you. What is that? If you don't understand that, if it doesn't have the relationship to go with it, you might as be might as well be saying I'm a bacon cheeseburger for you, God. You don't know what you're saying. It's like the seven uh, the seven sons of uh, Seba, you know, in in uh, in Acts nineteen thirteen. They were going around casting out demons or trying to and and they get to this one and they said we command you to come out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preached and the demon looked at him the person with the demon and he said you can read this for yourself in Acts he said Paul we know Jesus we know but who are you the word of God says he just ripped him a new one he was so violent attacked those seven sons why because they didn't believe what they were saying why because they didn't really know the one in whom they claimed to believe we don't even know the one we claim to love do you see what we've been doing think about all the stuff you've been struggling with Think about all the blessings you want to receive. The only way it can happen is to stop focusing on the mechanics and start focusing on the relationship. We want to do it this way or that way because that's what we've been told or because that's what the Word of God says, but it's not an intimate relationship yet. It's just mechanics. Again, understand something. I'm not saying... That mechanics are not important. I'm not telling you to throw away the mechanics. The mechanics are good. And I believe sometimes that's the correction. Is to keep saying it until you believe it. To keep doing it until you really get it. What I'm saying to you is. You will never truly be the person God has called you to be. Unless you stop trying to skip the relationship in favor of the mechanics. You have to, it has to be from your heart, not manufactured. Philippians 3.10, he says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. The one thing I want more than anything else, this is Paul, back in verse 8, he said, I consider everything else to be and, and basically the word is rubbish, garbage, dung. I consider everything else absolutely meaningless in exchange for knowing God and knowing his power. That is when things start to change. Why? Because his Holy Spirit is in us and we supernaturally begin to change by his power. He is the one who does it. The answers to the test are right in front of you. But the test is going to determine or, or is going to bring to light and reveal how well you actually know him. You can't play this stuff. Because you start using these big words with the devil. You start claiming authority in Jesus' name. And the devil knows the difference. He tells us without faith it is impossible to please God. But God also is the author and finisher of our faith. He tells us that we must love one another. But guess where love comes from? It's the fruit of the spirit. He says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But that's because he is the one who works in us. See? See? It's all about him. It only works when you remain in him. This is not stuff that you can manufacture. We teach our kids from little up, you got to do it this way. You got to do it that way. What we really need to be teaching our kids is you got to get to know Jesus. Then they will do it this way. And then they will do it that way because you lose interest in anything that doesn't glorify God. In order to love God, you've got to know God. In order to know God, you've got to know his word. His word is where it all comes from. And all the stuff that you have been t- sweating to try to do or to get God to do suddenly begins to come easy when you have that relationship. It's like jumping into the into the pool that you just got that swimming pool in your yard. As long as there's water in that pool, you don't have to ask yourself, God, am I going to get wet when I jump in this pool? You don't have to ask the Lord, Lord, am I really going to get wet? No, the wet comes with the water. The healing comes with the relationship. The love you're supposed to show, even to the unlovely, starts to happen when you know Christ. Because it is him now you're seeing things His way. His spirit lives in you and is beginning to supernaturally transform you. Your faith begins to produce because you see. That's why He said faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God because when the more time you spend with it, the more you're going to begin to know Him. The more you know Him, the more you're going to begin to trust Him. The more you trust Him, the more you're going to love Him. And your faith will start to produce. And you'll realize it's the wet with the water. I want. This whatever this thing is, you know, you, you pray and, and oh, does God really want me to have this? And we spend so much time arguing about this and debating about it. Oh, God doesn't want God really doesn't want you to have that car. That's materialistic. Or the other extreme is I'm gonna obsess over that car constantly. I'm not gonna stop talking about that car. Seriously, folks, you would trade the right to an intimate relationship with Christ for a material thing? But what I'm telling you is you've got to know that he wants to bless you in the material as well. Romans 8.32, he tells us that if, if he would not even spare his own son, but send him to die for us, will he not also give us everything else? He has given us the most important thing, the best thing, The most expensive thing heaven has to offer in his son Jesus. And you are still going around worrying about whether he really wants you to have a good car. You are still going around wondering whether or not he really wants you healed. You understand that sickness is death in seed form. You understand that's the whole purpose of sickness. Thank God for the immune system. It doesn't often get to that point. But you know that's the purpose of sickness to kill you. And that is not from God. That is not from God. There is no darkness. Absolutely no darkness in him. God is not a destroyer. He loves you. He does not want you sick. When you finally realize and you get the revelation, because of that intimate relationship, you get the revelation of the love of God. How can you still wonder, did God want me to be sick? Do I really still have to be sick? No. And your faith will begin to produce like never before, And it will begin to come easy for you. It's like when I got in the swimming pool last year, and I don't swim, but I like to just play in the water. And up until that point, I would always hold on to the side of the pool because that was the only thing I would trust And at one point or another, I tried to do it by mechanics. And I'm speaking the words, you know. I'm speaking the words by, you know, uh, about God's protection in Psalm 91. And and, and, and it's not working because it's not in my heart. And so here I am. I'm standing. I'm clinging onto this side of the pool. And I take one little step away. And I come back. And I take one little step away. And God, I know your protection. Back to this. Uh, A thousand may fall up. And back to this. And finally, last summer, when the light bulb moment, the revelation of God's love, Carson walked by. I said, come on, we're going for a walk in the middle of the pool. I wasn't going to tell you this next story unless God really wanted me to. Because I said, I don't want anybody to be confused. And I don't want any glory for this because I don't deserve any. This is all God. But God wants me to tell you this story. Thursday afternoon, my parents came. They had a whole bunch of stuff to unload from the car. And we were going to meet... A friend of the family who likes to see my parents when they come into town. We're going to have lunch with them. So we had to hurry. Well, about when they pulled in the driveway, it was pouring down rain. I mean, a big storm came up. Wind, thunder, lightning, rain. You remember. And I said, this is not right. Because they're going to be a mess trying to get in. And it's going to make them nervous with all the stuff they have to carry. And six dogs they've got to bring in. And... You know, years ago, I would have, well, I can't do anything about the weather. Or I'd have said something without really believing it, thinking I had to have the right mechanics, eloquent prayers, finding all kinds of scriptures to quote. This time, I said, to the weather, I didn't try to convince God. I said to the weather, you will stop in Jesus' name. And I heard the raindrop slow. And I heard the raindrops stop. And I walked into the house and I said, that rain is stopping out there. But here's what was really funny. We got to lunch and this family friend met us there. And he said, it was interesting. He said, we had rain for a couple minutes and then we didn't. And I still didn't get it. I still didn't get it. And he repeated it three or four times like he wouldn't let this go. And the fourth time he said, yeah, he said it rained for about two minutes and then all of a sudden it just stopped. God said, do you see what I did? Knowing God. Knowing God. You don't have to be surprised anymore. You can be amazed, but but you don't have to be surprised. Because you understand that all things means healing and health. All things means prosperity and wealth. All things means safety and protection, soundness, wholeness, peace, joy. How could he not want those things for somebody he loves? You know, we've talked about our children before. I went into the pool last summer and I finally walked across the pool. Was that somebody going to tell me that's God's timing? No, here's how God's timing works. God's timing is you're in the right place at the right time. Pastor Rick told us a story a few months ago about how he was right by the hospital when he got a call that somebody was in there he needed to go visit. That is God's timing. You can't use God's timing as an excuse for you not receiving something because God doesn't withhold this stuff. What happens is you have to grow in your relationship with God. You have to grow in your faith. Nothing to do with God arbitrarily deciding some kind of timing that you just have to wait for. No, this is a thing that we control by our relationship. But brother, you just don't understand how badly I have been beat up with this sin. And I just can't overcome it. And I need to understand how to overcome it. Or you just don't understand how sick I've been or how much in poverty I've been. And I need to learn how to. I'm giving you the water. All of that stuff is the wet. It's all part of it. It's part of the package. It's part of knowing him. I don't know how else I can say it. I want to turn to one more scripture and then we're going to close. And I forgot to put it in my notes, so I got to look it up. I'm sorry. Bear with me. Praise God. I got the Bible app right here. And it's Ephesians 3 and verse 18. But I want to quote it correctly. And I'm in the New Living Translation. Yeah, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should. How wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. Verse 19. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You have been struggling. Sin has just been beating you up, and you don't know how to overcome it. Know Jesus. Get to know him. Develop that relationship. You've been struggling with sickness. Your body is not yielding itself to to what you have been given in, uh, in the spirit by the power of God. Know Jesus. I need, I, the the world, the world needs to stop doing this. No, the world needs more Jesus. The world needs to stop drinking at the bars. No, the world needs more Jesus. I, I need more money. No, you need more Jesus. It's the water. It's so small. It's so simple. When you finally get this, it is so simple. And I realize this and I say, God, I repent with all my heart because I missed it. I've been limiting myself. Because I've been too focused on trying to manufacture it by mechanics. When you finally know him and you have that intimate relationship and you realize that he loves you, you will never again question whether God wants you sick or well. You will never again question whether God wants you rich or poor. I'm not only talking... Spiritually, but materially as well. You will never again question whether God wants you safe and protected or at risk and at harm. You will never again question whether God loves you. And anytime time the devil does try to bring something up against you, whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual or anything else, your first response can be, he loves me. Your first response can be, he loves me. Oh, this is a terrible flu season. all kinds of, th- he loves me. I am well because he loves me, because the king is my father. He does not want me sick. Well, there's so much economic strife this year. He loves me. Well, there's all kinds of, you know, we got this this strain of measles coming around. We got this kind of school shootings all over the place. We got terrorist attacks. We got uh, the Republicans and the Democrats can't agree on anything. He loves me. What else matters? Well, you know, this person was so mean to me, I really would have cussed them out three months ago. They they just said, you know, and, and, and they were just really, he loves me. What else matters? What else matters? What you think of me? It doesn't make any difference because the king of kings loves me. I stand here before you not as one who has it all figured out. We all need to grow. I need to grow. I'm guilty of this. I'm not guilty anymore, praise God, because of him. But I mean, you know what I'm saying. I make these mistakes. And I still stand before you. And I, I know that there will come a time when these eyes will be open physically to be in line with what, what God's... And, and that's how I know. You know, but look, you say, well, when's it going to happen? Well, I don't know. Don't worry about it. that's when. <laughs> no, but because look, I know what he has for me. I know what he's called me to be. I know who he's called me to be. I know that he loves me. I know that love includes all things and I know that all things includes healing. I've already received healing and health for the rest of my body. Before last year I had terrible back problems. They were looking at doing another surgery. Praise God, I have no back problems. See, I'm healthy. My eyes just don't realize it yet. But new eyes are growing back there, and I don't know how long that takes. And that's going to be on me to get to know God even better because it's not an easy thing. But you know what? Whether it happens today, tomorrow, or 100 years from now, it's going to happen. And regardless, he loves me, and I can praise him. Regardless, he loves me. So what do you do? What's the practical here? What can we do? There have to be something. Get to know him. Renew your mind. Exchange your thinking for God's thinking. Spend some time in the word. If you're not receiving the way you'd like to be receiving, then let me ask you this very honest, loving question. Are you satisfied with the amount of time you are spending in the word of God? Because that is where it's all going to begin. You spend time in the word. You spend time in prayer, talking to God, letting God talk to you. You can talk to God all day long. Take some time to pray in the Spirit. Look, I'm not a, a, afraid to say it. We understand there are some denominations that obsess over tongues. Oh, you've got to speak in tongues or you're not even going to heaven. They say, well, that's totally unbiblical. That's a lie from the pit of hell. But I'm not afraid to tell you that speaking in tongues is an amazing thing. It's a gift God has given to us to, 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 to build ourselves up and, and that he reveals the unknown things to our hearts. Use that to our benefit and his glory spend time in his word spend time in prayer pray in the spirit get to know god and you will be amazed how your life will begin to change. You'll be able to be the person he wants you to be, to love the unlovable, to, 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 to overcome, to move the mountains by the name of Jesus that he's called you to move. And he says that all of creation yearns for the revealing of the sons of God. And you can say it. You can say, here I am. It is time. Where are you at? Where are you at, those who need me? Where are you at, those who need a touch of God? Because by the stripes of Jesus Christ, you've already been healed. I I can now by the authority in Jesus name I can walk up to you and I can do it not by my own power not for my own glory but because I love you that much I care about you and God loves you that much that he cares about you. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are. All right, what a great message. Thanks to all who joined us. See you next month, first Saturday, 1 Eastern, 12 Central. Have a good one. God bless you.